You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. We're live, but we got to let it breathe just for a moment here. Got to bring on Facebook and get our entire community in the room with Eric, myself, and Buona Beast. And we are good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Dove Valley Deep Divers. I am your guest host, Chad Jensen, of course, presented by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Pods. Eric was kind enough to invite me to co-host. Lance has some things he's juggling, just bought a brand new house, little honeydews, little things he's got to work on. So I'm stepping in. Eric, senior draft analyst, milehighhuddle.com. It's been a minute since we were on a pod together, so it feels good, my friend. How you doing? Doing good. I mean, it's always good to sit down and chat with you. I mean, really, I mean, only time we do anymore is with the big group pods, draft night, and then the uh, the pre-draft, mile-high roundtable draft. Like, It's always good to sit down and chat with you. I know that we have a rather different of opinions on a lot of topics, so it's definitely good to hear things from the other side of the aisle than having a yes-man kind of like Lance is to me, that they're yeah. on the other side. Yeah, I mean, we all kind of have to um, beware of of getting lost and trapped in our own echo chambers, myself included. You know, it's always good. Um, I mean, politically, I love turning on and listening to the opposing views because it challenges my premises. You know, sometimes I amend a particular take or view because I'm hearing the other side's rationale or argument on it. So it's always good. And, you know, I mean, you and I, we go way back. I think, let's see. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. This is year nine we've been working together. Does that seem possible, dude? Isn't that crazy? You're <laughs> you're old, bro. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. It's uh, hard to believe that I started doing this when I was 20 years old, and now here I am almost 30. Does It really just does not seem like that, that long. Time's just flown by. Yeah. It's kind of funny. For those who don't know the story, I'm sure you guys want us to dive right into some really interesting Melvin Gordon, Denver Broncos, Aaron Rodgers content. We'll get to it. But um, Eric and I, I found Eric is in the same way. Eric was like the model of how I ended up through serendipity, finding great members of the staff way back in the day before Mile High Huddle even existed. He was a very um, you know, knowledgeable commenter, right? And then Hey, why don't you come and do some articles? And then ended up going over to um, predominantly Orange, brought you over there, then had the opportunity to start uh, Mile High Huddle, and we've been together ever since. But, yeah, dude, it's been really fun. I mean, Eric, in all in all um, t- truth, deserves a lot of credit, deserves a lot of props for just how much Mile High Huddle has grown over the years. You know, he's been laying those bricks in the wall every single day, every single year for nine years. And uh, I don't think we could have got here without what you've done, especially on the draft side, especially the feature side. You know, I mean, it's easy to sit down and pound out a 400 word article on something, you know, so and so said today at the press conference. But when you got to go through and do a scouting, you know, session on a player or break down the film, Eric, as you can maybe explain to people, it's a little bit more time consuming. It definitely is a lot more time consuming. I mean, because you have to do your studies of the players, you have to get all of your notes then you have to sit there and read through your notes and kind of see where you 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 feel about the player and all sorts of stuff like that. But it's funny that you said that it's it's easier to take some a quote and write a 400 word. I struggle with that so much 
that doing these film analysis pieces, the in-depth in-depth stuff that I do with the drafter thing, that's just easy for me. But I can't take a quote and I can't make an article out of it. I struggle with it. But it's just I guess it's a what what's the different the strokes? With that? The um something about bread and butter. Yeah. I can't think of it. Yeah. I mean, everyone it's different strokes for different folks. Everyone kind of has their forte and and their realm of expertise and that's like you'll hear Zach and I all the time on the Huddle Up podcast. You know, we defer to the when it comes to the draft. We get asked an opinion. You know, we'll do our best to give the opinion if we feel our opinion is developed enough to have confidence to share it. But more often than not, you know, unless it's like the last couple, two, three weeks leading up to the draft, we just say, hey, that's a good question. That linebacker you wanted us to talk about from, you know, uh, Louisiana Tech that might get drafted in the sixth round. We're not going to lie to you. Talk to Eric, dude. Eric knows. And, you know, that's your that's your realm of expertise. And we probably need to get more on top of film. Like we haven't been doing film as much as since Josh Carney um, yeah. took over Horseshoe Huddle and whatnot. But, yeah, dude, it's been a wild ride. And speaking of wild, Eric, Melvin Gordon said today something that I think um, rubbed some Broncos fans, not so much rubbed them the wrong way, but kind of let them down a little bit. Melvin Gordon doesn't think Aaron Rodgers is coming to the Broncos. In fact, as he was quoted today on Good Morning Football, he said, quote, as far as Aaron Rodgers, I honestly think he's going to stay with Green Bay. I think he's going to stay there, man. You can't really see him in any other color. But who would be upset with having Aaron Rodgers? But we don't have him. So we got to roll with Teddy. We got to roll with Drew. So whoever's our guy is our guy, close quote. Not necessarily anything earth-shattering here, Eric, but do you concur that Aaron Rodgers is not leaving Green Bay? Well, first I want to say that using Wild Ride and Melvin Gordon's probably not the best choice of words, but uh, as for what he has to say, I mean, we see it time and time again. Players are probably, I don't want to say the least informed of everybody, but they're just going off of what they thought. They don't have real insight on anything. And maybe Aaron Rodgers ends up staying in Green Bay. Maybe he gets traded. Maybe he sits out this year. Right now, it's just there's three balls in court, and we're not sure which one's going to make it in the basket at this point. I know that Green Bay, they have made him an offer for with a new contract, and he decided he declined that, which made it clear that it's not just about wanting this new contract. That's not the only issue he has with Green Bay as to why he wants out. I know that uh, Mike Florio reported on the Dan Patrick show just before we went live that – the feeling he gets from green Bay is that they would prefer Aaron Rodgers to sit out this year and then trade him next year is because that way they get to see Jordan love. And then from there they can go and figure out, Hey, do we want to just move on from Aaron Rodgers and move on from Jordan love? Do we want to, did Jordan love show enough and we can move on from Aaron Rodgers, or what's the case may be. So maybe that's the way they go. But I mean, for the most part with Melvin Gordon's answer, it's just a textbook answer from it. We're not, we don't know what's going to happen with it. So right now we're just going to stick with our guys. Yeah. You know, I, on this topic, I think it's interesting, Eric, I shared a, not so much a theory, but just like a gut read on a couple of times this week on huddle up that anytime it's, you know, you talk about a zeitgeist or like the collective, um, you know, the collective consciousness of a, of a body. All right. Not just, I'm not talking an individual, but like a team or a nation, all right, the Denver Broncos zeitgeist, whether it's a GM, whether it's a coach, whether it's a player like Gordon today, whether it's the clips that we see during OTAs of 11 on 11 when you see a throw here and there, 
every time so far, every is an absolute. So not every time, but more often than not, especially the last week or so, Eric, I'm hearing the first name mentioned is Teddy, not Drew. Now, the devil's advocate in me says, yeah, you're reading too much into that. That's just, you know, charge it to the game. And even Zach says, look, he's the shiny new toy. He's the newcomer on the block. You know, he's a little bit more front of brain. Maybe that's it. But what do you think? Do you think I'm nuts here? Or do you think that Teddy has kind of already embedded uh, as the presumptive first guy that comes to mind when a player, coach, or GM talks about the quarterback? Well, my thing is, is I mean, obviously it's OTAs. You don't want to take too much out of it. I know on one of the days, Drew Locke threw two interceptions, and I think Teddy threw one, and people were making a big deal about that. But, I mean, it's kind of like what Zach says. Teddy is the brand-new toy. But also on that note is we got to look at the coaches, and this is a coaching staff that they very well may be a thing of you better win and get to the playoffs or push for it or you're gone. And I think Teddy, at least a lot of – um, other analysts out there who believe that that the coaches have that believe that Teddy is their best pathway to that. He's a little bit safer with the ball, protects the ball a little bit more. Granted, he didn't do so well doing that last year in Carolina. So I think that's kind of kind of why. But one thing that can be said for certain about Teddy Bridgewater is that he has come in on short notice and really gotten chemistry down with some of these wide receivers. That's the big thing that my big takeaway is how much chemistry he's gotten down with Jerry Judy, with a couple of these other guys, something that we're still not quite seeing from Drew Locke. Yeah, especially Jerry Judy. They got something cooking there. Um, and I think you're right on that in terms of, you know, the organization in a perfect world probably would hope that Drew Locke could come in here and just authoritatively win this competition because he's their original round pick. You know, it would be better for them overall if it's Drew, right, in a good – like if he were to succeed. But at the same time, you know, you look at them from a upside, downside, pros, cons. You know, Drew Locke might have that, and I sincerely believe, has a significantly higher ceiling than Teddy Bridgewater. But right now, he's so far from reaching that ceiling. You know, it's like Sistine Chapel. You, like, kind of have to peer up to see it. You're, like, through the murk. You're like, oh, there's the ceiling. Teddy's is a little bit more reachable. We are we can we can almost reach up and touch it, right? There's Teddy's ceiling. But his floor is significantly higher than Drew's. So Drew might have a higher ceiling, but he's still pretty far away from that ceiling. Whereas Teddy offers a higher floor. So if you're looking at it from a coach's perspective who is in a win or you're fired situation, naturally you're going to gravitate toward the safer guy. But you just got to be careful with that philosophy, Eric, because you can reach the point of diminishing returns. Like, I mean, Trevor Simeon, as an example, you know, for the most part, it started to unravel. But like, look at 2016 as an example. He did a really good job as a really young player. Uh, Basically, it was his first year, even though it was his second, protecting the ball. But you reach the point of diminishing returns when you're leaving big plays on the table because you're a little too cautious with the ball. You're not willing to take some of those chances. And the problem with Drew, and then I want to serve this over to you, is he's not afraid to take those chances, but sometimes his read on when the right time is to take those chances is obviously skewampus. And, you know, when he does take some of those chances, even if the read is right, Eric, sometimes the ball's off target or et cetera. So Teddy Bridgewater could very well end up winning. I still think when it's all said and done and the dust settles, it's going to end up being Drew Locke who wins it fair and square, but I'm I remain optimistic on Teddy as well. If Teddy were to win, I think this is a team that can go out there and win some ballgames. Yeah, I think that the best way to look at it with Drew Locke is that 
everybody knows what his weaknesses are, and there's a large pile of them, of things that he's got to work on, his footwork, his ball placement. And if he's able to work on that, there's no doubt that he can be a really good NFL quarterback. The issue that the, my worry with the Broncos is that they find themselves in a situation like the Bengals did with Andy Dalton. He made some progress, but it wasn't in time. They gave him a second contract, and then they got stuck with him. And they just couldn't find a replacement. That's that's my worry with Drew Locke is that when he do, he may show growth this year, but is it going to be enough growth? Is there going to be growth after that? And with Teddy Bridgewater on the opposite side of it, he's really what he is is what he is at this point. I mean, there's not much room for growth. He has a lot of experience under his belt. He's been in the NFL for a while. There's, you're not going to really change much. You're not going to teach the old dog new tricks, so to speak. And with that, one thing, whenever I've watched Teddy going back to his days in Minnesota, going back to even college, is that sometimes he would leave big plays out there just because he doesn't seem to always trust his arm, not necessarily not trust his receiver, but not trust the, or I'm trying to think of the best way to put this, but uh, have a lack of confidence in the overall ability of him and his receiver to make a play instead of the defensive back on the ball. And so he just takes the easier throw the shorter throw, kind of this dink and dunk style offense about it. But then we'll take shots when like there's a wide open lane there. And one of the passes in to Jerry Judy that we had, it was one of those cases, like the pathway was wide open. So we took it and here we go. We got a big play out of it. But is he a guy that's going to throw through tight windows? No, he's not. He's not going to be a guy. He's not going to pick up the team and carry them to a win. Drew Locke can potentially be that guy. It's just, he's got all this stuff that he's got to work on. Yep, and you know what? If it can come together for him, I still maintain that Drew Locke has it in him to be a very special quarterback. Is he going to be, you know, second coming of Patrick Mahomes or a dynamic just sizzle machine like Lamar Jackson? Maybe not, or maybe not even a um, just solid stud playmaker that makes you drop your jaw a few times a year like uh, Josh Allen. But I think he can be – they're different quarterbacks, but I think Derek Carr, caliber, solid – with a little plus, you know, juice there to, to kind of wiggle you the ceiling a little higher type of quarterback, you know? And if you think back to 2016, that version of Derek Carr and the then Oakland Raiders, I mean, that was a juggernaut. I remember when the Broncos who had just come off winning the freaking Super Bowl, it was the same team minus Peyton Manning. They went into the black hole on a Monday night or was it a Sunday night? It was either a Sunday or Monday night. It was an away game brutalized. I mean, just, decimated like taken to the earth stomped into the ground Derek Carr went on to produce a MVP caliber season before he suffered that unfortunate injury if if the Broncos got a level of quarterback play out of Drew Locke that was comparable to that Eric ask as this team is constructed is that a team that could also be a juggernaut it definitely can be I mean especially with this defense especially with the offensive weapons I mean getting that kind of caliber of quarterback it can be enough to make a playoff run I don't know if it would necessarily put them in a Super Bowl contending spot just because, I mean, Derek Carr to the likes of Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, those guys are just so astronomically different. I mean, top five quarterback to top six to 10, there's just a wide gap there. And the team at some point can overcome a little bit, but not much. I mean, if we look back at the Super Bowl with the, um, and primarily the Buccaneers from the 2019 season to the 2020 I mean, Jamie's Winston, at times he can be serviceable. I mean, I know 30 for 30 jokes and everything like that, but it just goes to show how much that one quarterback can take you, being that elite guy despite the team. And going from 
Drew Lock last year to a Derek Carr level Drew Lock. Again, playoffs are potential, but Super Bowl contention I think is just a little bit out of reach. Real quick, got to shout out Muhammad, MHH resident male model in the house, rocking the trucker hat like I am here, rocking the state of being hoodie like a freaking boss. Love you, bro. Appreciate you supporting the Dove Valley Deep Divers tonight. Always great to see you. Hope you're doing well. How's little baby Malik? I got to tell you, my son, uh, who is now two weeks old, today, uh, yesterday, two weeks old, so 15 days old, his, uh, even that young, you know, even that small, even that fresh, you know, into the world, little personality starting to come out of him a little bit, you know, as they kind of like start. It's just really fun to see. So, Muhammad, I hope Malik's doing well. Appreciate you, my friend. You to man. Um, real quick, Eric, let's just grab a couple quick matters of business. Make sure people know how to connect with us. Follow the Dove Valley Deep Divers on Twitter at DVDD underscore pod at DVDD underscore pod. As always, you want to make sure you're also following the mother account at Mile High Huddle. Shout out Twitter for verifying Mile High Huddle on, on uh, this past week. It was long overdue, but we do appreciate it, though. Connect with our producer, Buona Beast on Twitter at John K M H H. My partner here, Eric Trickle, the senior draft analyst of MileHighHuddle.com, at Eric Trickle. But remember, Eric spelled with a C K and Trickle spelled T R I C K E L. Myself at Chad and Jensen. Check out Facebook.com/slash/MileHighHuddle. Go to the Mile High Huddle Facebook page. You'll see the big blue button at the very top. Click that. You'll become a supporter. You get access immediately from there to our premium VIP video and podcast content, which includes the trickle zone on Saturdays at noon and Calderman's corner on Sunday at noon. And Eric, I know you have something brewing for tomorrow. You took, you know, of course you have a family. Sometimes you want to do things with the misses and the family had to take last weekend off, but I know you got something sweet cooking for tomorrow. Um, I have something planned. I'm not, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. I have to check my notebook that kind of has things planned out, but I know eventually we're going to be getting into training camp battles. Um, what we're going to be looking at prior to entering that and just looking at some new additions the Broncos have made. I mean, we broke down the 2021 draft class. We broke down the 2020 draft class. So we definitely cover a lot of great topics. So definitely you guys need to make sure you guys become a supporter. It's a little bit different vibe. I mean, as we talk about, like on Kelberman's Corner, hot takes that hold water. It's Zach and Kim. It's a different format. It's not quite as interactive as these live streams, and definitely not as long. Trickle Zone is like a massive data dump for the true football nerds in our community, like us. I mean, we're football nerds. So those of you who are like us, this is exactly the type of content you want. Data dump, long-form, deep dive, really interesting stuff that will make you wiser, smarter, more knowledgeable on your team, the Denver Broncos. So become a supporter. Um, and then also, guys, check out the merch store, huddleuppod.com, and get your swag on. Just last week, we debuted the brand-new Dove Valley Deep Divers State of Being T-shirt in celebration of the show's 100th episode. Now, Eric, we were kind of talking about the old days and how far back you and I go together. But as I said on Twitter – any podcast that can get to 100 episodes, I mean, that's an achievement. That's an accomplishment. So how did it feel getting to 100? Does it seem like you and Lance have been doing this together as long as you have? Well, as I joked about last week when we were live with it, it was my 100th episode, but it was only Lance's like 50th. He always <laughs> seems to miss. Yeah. But uh, it's definitely surreal going for it. I mean, I remember talking to you after um, Trickle Down Theories kind of ended and wanting to get back into it and trying to get it set up with 
and Lance having issues trying to get a laptop, then mic issues, going from recorded podcasts to live. Like it's been a long road, and it's a little unbelievable. We made it to a hundred, and it was a. And I do got to admit too, it's like last week when we were live, we went into the story about how Dove Valley Deep Divers came to be, and we kind of threw you under the bus a little bit, Chad, for oh, shooting yeah? down some of the some, shooting down some of the names that. Lance and I came up with, but I don't uh, even remember some of them. What were some of them? Do you remember? I remember the one that we first brought up to you was I choose you Broncos. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and uh, that, that was the one that got shot down, but uh, definitely it's, it's, it's always surreal. I mean, it's surreal that we've been doing this for nine years. It's surreal that we made a hundred episodes on that. And I was looking back the other day, it was surreal to realize that I did like 27, 28 episodes of trickle down theories. Mm-hmm. Like it's just yeah. very surreal. Indeed. So respect the effort. One way that you can support the Dove Valley Deep Divers is by picking up a T-shirt. It's got the logo on the front and on the back, it's got the hashtag state of being. We appreciate those of you who do patronize the store, whether it's a DVD piece of merch, Mile High Huddle, Huddle Up Pod, Building the Broncos, Mile High Insiders. It all adds up and we appreciate you guys. All right. Uh, Last thing here, gang, if you can't do those things like becoming a supporter being a super chat superstar and financially supporting the, the these shows and the channel or buy merch, hey, it's all good. We're seriously just stoked to have you with us in this conversation as a part of this uh, chat. Just make sure you're subscribed. Crucial on YouTube. Crucial if you're listening after the fact on Apple or you know Spotify. Please consider liking the video. Guys, you have no idea how much that helps us. So if you're enjoying the content, just liking it is actually – better for us than you just watching it, believe it or not. I mean, we want the views, don't get me wrong, but the likes allow the the podcast of these episodes, these videos to get put in front of other Broncos fans that are like you, except they're wandering the desert. They're oblivious and ignorant to the fact that this community is out here waiting to embrace them. So if you like this video, if you're watching on Facebook, if you're watching on YouTube, liking this video increases the odds of this getting in front of those people. And then also, hey, number three, Share it out there. If you think we're doing a good job, we might disagree on some of the issues, whether it's you disagree with some of my takes, you disagree with some of Eric's takes. But if you respect the effort, that's the number one testimonial for us is seeing the shares and help us continue to grow and reach Broncos fans that are like-minded just like you. All right, John, I know you uh, had a couple Cobra Commander. Good to see you, buddy. Excuse me. Uh, appreciate you, my friend. I know that uh, you have been across the pond serving this great nation. So hope you understand how much we appreciate and love you for that and for other things, too. I mean, I'm sure you're a pretty decent dude, but we also really lo- like that you contribute to the conversation. He says, uh, we're here at Europa Park all day going to bed soon since it's 2.30 a.m. I don't even know what that is. Is that like Disneyland? Do you, Eric, do you know what Europa Park is? No, actually, I never never heard it heard of it before. But yeah, dude, get some shut-eye here in about 15, 20 minutes when we end this pod. <laughs> Go with CP99. Uh, Casey, what's up, dude? He's got a question. Did anyone else hear Nate Burleson on the Rich Eisen show today? He said, coming to the Broncos might not be in Rogers' best interest. I did not hear that, Eric, but in what way could that be true? Do you, is there any way possible that Denver would be an inhospitable destination? To me, there's only one reason, and that is Patrick Mahomes. I don't really fear Justin Herbert quite yet. I wouldn't fear if I was Aaron Rodgers, I wouldn't really fear the Raiders all that much. But button up against Mahomes twice a year, that would be an obstacle. Yeah, that 
that's one of the few reasons I can think of that it would be. I mean, it can't be anything with the team directly with the players on it because the roster is just so strong around the quarterback position. Another thing I can think of is, and quite honestly, how volatile the fans can be at times. And then another one can be just having to deal with the um, the legacy of John Elway and then Peyton Manning and now going to Aaron Rodgers. Like that also can be, if he doesn't win a Super Bowl ring, then the fans could turn on him and it could feel like he's letting down the, the legacy. Those are the only three reasons I can think that it would be a, a a bad thing for his interests. That's a fair point though. You know, that would be some, I mean, it was, it was probably hard enough for any quarterback that came after John Elway to kind of fill those shoes, including for Peyton Manning, but Peyton did so with aplomb. Now you're having to fill the shoes in many ways of two different Hall of Fame, Ring of Fame quarterbacks. And, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, if, if Aaron Rodgers is the competitor that we think he is, you know, three-time league MVP, uh, it probably isn't too daunting, the notion. But the biggest thing, if there is any disincentive, it's the division. But at the same time, Eric, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you're looking out across the fruited plain at all the different NFL landing spots you might uh, potentially see, Broncos are very attractive because you know you don't have to worry about the defense. That's going to be on lockdown. They added some serious pieces on that side. And then offensively, I mean, he's been working miracles with very little in Green Bay the last year or two, suddenly to inherit the likes of Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, K.J. Handler, Albert Okawebuna, Melvin Gordon, and now Pookie Williams. I mean, plus a rebuilt and kind of coming together, solidifying offensive line. I think that's the biggest thing he would look at is the tools are there for me to succeed. I'm not going to have to carry so much, you know, whereas even going to, to Vegas, as an example, Vegas, they have a lot of the same pieces, but off, I don't know, man, that defense to me is still suspect. You're probably going to have to carry more of the water, uh, similar to how you've been doing it in green Bay. Yeah, definitely. And my thing too, is with the weapons, even if you end up giving up one or two pieces to green Bay to get him, there's still a lot else around him that you can still work with. And then you bring up Oakland and on offense, sure, they have plenty of weapons. That defense is garbage. And honestly, can anybody see Aaron Rodgers and John Gruden working well together? I don't see it. I, I just see nothing but butting heads there. And one thing, too, is John Gruden, he's probably still locked in for a couple more years at least. If Aaron Rodgers comes in, and George Payton decides to move on from Vic Fangio, and they decide to, uh, and and Rogers is okay with it. He could potentially have a say on who the new coach is. So, like, just so many reasons why, if it's somewhere, Denver makes so much sense, and a lot more sense than Oakland and I ne- or Las Vegas. And I never really understood all the hype for Las Vegas with him, anyways. Leroy on Facebook. Good to see you, my friend. Appreciate you being in the chat and for the question. He says, what's up, guys? In your honest opinion, do you really think that we should trade for a franchise queue or just keep what we have? So, Eric, if you could reasonably be in the running to land an Aaron Rodgers or a Deshaun Watson, Deshaun, you know, still a little bit radioactive till that dust cloud settles. But what's your answer for Leroy? Um, I mean, if you have a chance to do it, you got to do it. I mean, everything li- you live and die by your quarterback position in the NFL nowadays. If you don't have it, you're you're not going to win. I mean, you so many teams just you have that franchise guy to win the Super Bowl. It's just so few haven't had it. 
I mean, everybody always points to the Eagles when they won with Nick Foles, but Carson Wentz was having an MVP-like season, and he did a lot to get him there. I mean, that's the best example of it, but they just had such an excellent team, and the ball bounced their way. So it's a lot of luck involved as well. So, I mean, you got to have it. You can't hope on – you can't just hope on Drew Locke stepping up and becoming something that just – we ne- would have uh, – making a jump that we'd never seen before – or Teddy Bridgewater becoming a completely different player. So if you have a chance for it, you got to. And with Deshaun Watson is, if everything gets cleared up, depending on what happens with those legal issues, you still got to look into it. But I mean, it's, as you said, it's very radioactive. It's very toxic. It's something that right now you just cannot get into. I had a little uh, birdie, a source I talked to yesterday morning, who... um, I'm just going to say is heavily connected with agents. Okay. And agents in question with Aaron Rodgers. and word on the street is that there are the teams that have showed an interest in Aaron because the phones have rang, even though green Bay from a public perspective has said, we're not interested. We're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers." When the phone rings, they still answer the phone. They still hear what teams are. Hey, we're interested if you, if you have a change of heart, call us. Here's what we maybe are willing to part with, et cetera. But th- there's an end of June kind of deadline here because as great as Aaron Rodgers is, no team believes that they would have enough rope, enough window, enough time to get him up to speed and the players up to speed on what he likes if it were to drag on beyond June and get into July and training camp and all that stuff. So – this, I mean, we were looking at June 1, June 2 as kind of the beginning of that window, but it, what I'm hearing is there is a legitimate, hard kind of deadline end of the month. We'll see if that ends up shaking out that way. Yeah, I mean, June June 2nd, that was the, the starting point. Getting past that June 1st deadline to be able to push some of that money to next year, that was the starting point for the deadline. And then the end of June, I've heard similar things, but more so from a team's perspective, that the Packers – they want some players involved, and it's the same thing that you were saying, is they want to be have time to get those players into the building, start working on the playbook, start getting them, getting chemistry down with the players that they'll be playing around. They want time to be able to do that. And once you start hitting that second, third week of July, like you just don't, you just really don't have the time to do it. We got a super chat. And by the way, guys, thank you. When you guys show us love on super chat or if it's on Facebook with stars, Guys, that helps this show, the Dove Valley Deep Divers, stay alive. Keep going. Week in, week out. That money goes to the host. So we appreciate it. When you show the support to these shows individually, whether it's the Huddle Up Pod, Dove Valley Deep Divers, like it pays for the party. So thank you very much, Richard, for your support tonight, my friends. Good to see you. He says coaching could be a reason, and I'm assuming he's saying why Aaron might not want to come here. And that's another valid point, you know. Eric, how dis- what were your expectations for Pat Shermer when the Broncos hired him, and did he meet, exceed, or fall short of them last year? My expectations, I know on Valley Drivers, I defended him a lot because I don't think it, as much of the Broncos' offense last year was his fault as many others do. I mean, with what I knew about him, he kind of came in right about what I expected. My biggest complaint is, and forever will be, his failure to use certain players correctly and his failure and his knack, I guess would be the best way to put it, 
of going away players that are being effective and helping the offense. We saw that happen with Noah Fant multiple times. We saw KJ Hamler have this weird role when he was healthy and not being used the best he was. When he started being used better, being used more as a deep threat, the offense was doing a little bit better. It's just this bad knack and bad tendency. Philip Lindsay got the raw end of the stick there too from Pat Shermer. I mean, it's he he's not a great hire. He was a guy with experience that was going to be able to come in and supposedly help Drew Locke. He supposedly wanted to come to Denver to work with Drew Locke, and there's been rumblings going around that that ship's kind of sailed a little bit. So, I mean, it's... I guess, I guess in a way he met expectations in certain areas and then didn't even come close to meeting expectations in others. Yeah, he. Uh, I was very vociferous <clears throat> in my optimism for Pat Shermer, and he definitely let me down. And it's not that he was a complete failure. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but the two biggest things that just stuck in my craw, Eric, the first thing you nailed on the head, which is going away from your hot hands. And it doesn't even have to be your hot hand principle, but like, why aren't you feeding your plus playmakers? I mean, the guys who are elite threats, the guys who sincerely keep off uh, defense coordinators up at night, Noah Fant, even Jerry Judy, you know, they tried, I guess that's a bad example because he tried feeding some targets to Jerry Judy, but you know, Noah Fant in particular just mystified me. And you're right on KJ Hamler. It's like, you know, every time he was on the field, it was a tell that we're going to go, you know, jet sweep or some doohickey. Like, just use the guy. Like, just involve him in the offense and emphasize his role. The other thing was, I don't feel like, you know, every quarterback, when they enter the NFL, they they start on a developmental learning curve. And some quarterbacks, depending on their experience, their football IQ, their talent, the situation they land in, their supporting cast, like, there's so many different factors, but they can – either prolong that learning curve or shorten it. And in the case of Drew Locke, if you want to shorten that learning curve, the to, to do the best as a coach to shorten that learning curve, the best thing you can do is scheme around what that guy does best. Problem was last year, even though it didn't feel like he was doing it that well, as far as putting in Drew, Drew Locke in the best possible position for him to succeed, at the same time, Eric, we heard from Pat Shermer in October – uh, third week of October, I want to say that, Hey man, like we didn't get to install our full offense. We didn't have time. I mean, I saw these guys in the flesh for the first time in freaking August. We didn't have time to install the whole thing. So it's like, you don't want to completely um, castigate the guy because there were so many unique outliers in the same way. I'm, I don't want to castigate Drew Locke because 2020 was just so many unique outliers thrown at both of them. But still, he has got to do better. Shout out to these star senders on Facebook. Kevin, Gary, both of you are legends. Love you guys. Gary's question here, uh, I think it's more rhetorical. Which quarterback will win out? Stay tuned until October. I don't know what that means, October, by the way. Kevin, love you, buddy. Um, But Vic Fangio, Eric, said it himself, that they don't expect to see any kind of separation, like palpable, clear, evident, obvious separation until the preseason games. Yeah, and I mean, that's just what you would expect. I mean, we have a guy who's such a high-variance player in Drew Locke with such upside, and then we have such a safe guy that's not so high-variance in Teddy Bridgewater. They're just not going to separate. They'll trade days over OTAs. They'll trade days in training camp. Preseason games, I think, will be the most telling for it. And then even then, once we get to the regular season, I think that with his comment about it, stay tuned until October, is that even no matter 
whoever wins this for the start of the season, they may not be the starter for my, for long. I would expect both of them to have somewhat short leashes going into the season. And then from hopefully one of them is able to do well enough, but uh, that's kind of where I, where I stand with it. But I mean, nobody's going to be starters, not going to be named until end of August. Yeah. And we don't even know which game is going to be viewed by the coaches as the dress rehearsal. Typically it's the third of four preseason games. And then they rest the starters, the fourth game this year. I think it's probably still going to be the third game. Like I think, unless you have like a well-entrenched offense or defense, you know, like you're probably not going to see a lot of the starters on defense the third game, but I think you'll see the ones on offense in the third game for the Denver Broncos. Um, BX Bronco Jedi says, I wish the trickle zone was downloadable. Maybe one of these days. There is an option now through Apple Pods to create a subscription-based download, but we're really saving that content for those people who are supporting us on Facebook. It's five bucks a month. BX Bronco, if you were to subscribe on Facebook to Mile High Huddle, it's the same thing. It might not be downloadable per se, but they're on demand. Even if you're not there live for the show at noon on Saturdays, you can go back and listen slash watch uh, at your leisure. Shout out to Darko, fellow drummer, huge, huge Broncos fan down in Mexico. Broncos country, not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Darko is a cat that exemplifies that. And uh, I consider him to be a good buddy, a good friend as well. Uh, all right, let me see what we've got here. We got to keep tonight a little bit shorter than we might usually, um, just because I'm still juggling some things. You know, when you have suddenly a little baby in the house, everyone wants to come from the four corners of the earth to see this baby. And so we've got family uh, in town once again. Casey says, Eric and Chad make a great combo. Thank you. Thoughts on what the overall AFC West record will be? maybe second best in the league. I don't know about overall record, but as far as like ranking power rankings by division, Eric, where's the AFC West fall going into 2021? Um, Off the top of my head out of the eight of them, I'd probably put them third or fourth. I think that the NFC West is probably one of the toughest ones there is. Um, Then the AFC, I can never remember, North, I think is what it is. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, that one I think would be right up there. And then, Den- and then the AFC West probably wouldn't be that far behind. And I just want to touch on the first part about us making a great combination. I make a great combination with just about everybody. <laughs> hey, I can't deny it. I mean, he's <laughs> he's uh, got this curmudgeon uh, reputation, but he's a sweetheart. He's a sweetheart, Eric Trickle is. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, look, NFL, one of the reasons it's King Casey is parity reigns supreme in the NFL. You don't know on a given year – which teams are going to rise, which teams are going to fall. I mean, last year you had a, a worst-to-first team making the playoffs. The year prior, Tennessee, I mean, you just never know. But if the Denver Broncos figure out the quarterback, they're going to be a factor. If Justin Herbert takes another step, Chargers probably will be a factor. They'll need to stay healthy. They, they had a lot of injury problems too. If John Gruden and – Derek Carr figure out their mind meld, get that on the same page, and that defense of theirs, not just I mean that talk about staying healthy. They need to stay healthy defensively if they're even going to have a snowball's chance of being a threat. I mean, I could see this division coming together and, and producing four relative, you know, juggernauts. I mean, KC is the presumptive juggernaut, but four relative threats for the playoffs. But you know. It's on paper right now, Eric, and we, you know what they say about making plans um, or projections based on paper. Yeah. 
I mean, that's all you can that's all you can do at this point. I mean, it's just until we see them play, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, last year, I know overall fan expectations for the Broncos was high, and then we lose Cortland Sutton, then we lose Von Miller, then Drew Locke doesn't make this progress like we, he thought we thought he would after the first five games he played. There's just so much very very so many variables. It's just right now, it's just so hard to say anything with any kind of confidence, really. Our pal, appreciate the kind words and the congrats on my becoming a new father. Um, he wants to know, and this is a perfect question for Eric Trickle, any college players we need to keep an eye on that could be a great fit for the Broncos, Eric? There's actually quite a few. I know there's next year's offensive tackle class that looks pretty strong at the moment. There's a guy out of Miami. There's a guy out of Penn State. And, of course, another tackle out of Alabama who's probably going to be probably one of the top two tackles drafted. Names, I haven't memorized them yet, so so forgive me on not knowing the names off the top of my head. I believe Alabama's is Evan Neal. I believe that's the only name I can think of. Next year's edge class looks pretty good, so if Denver moves on from Von Miller and they lose Malik Reed in free agency, they have plenty of avenues there to replace them. Um, quarterback next year, there's a lot of names. I mean, I can rattle off a bunch there. Sam Howell out of UNC. A lot of people compare him to Baker Mayfield. Um, just without the attitude, there's Spencer Radler out of Oklahoma, who's probably the top quarterback in this one, just looking at on the field. But his personality, I mean, he's like Johnny Manziel meets Baker Mayfield meets Josh Rosen. I mean, just such a toxic personality from multiple things that people I've spoken to, multiple videos that are out there. There's a whole show called like QB1 or something like that or a quarterback camp, something that he's on that he was just a terrible person to deal with. Like, it's just, right now, again, it's as we were talking just a few minutes ago, it's all on paper. Right now, a lot of good position, positions look strong. We don't know who's going to rise up out of nowhere. We don't know who's going to fall off. We don't even know who's going to return back to school yet. So it's definitely going to be a interesting year, especially with us coming back from the, this thing we've been going through. Yeah, most definitely. All right, let me just take a peek here and see what else we've got in the chat before we dip on out of here. Um, I don't know who this is, but Facebook user, if you want your name to be shown when we pull you for a comment or question, you need to give StreamYard permission uh, to do that. And so right underneath where you see the video right now, there's a little box that you can click on StreamYard to give, your, to give it permission to show your name like as example here like david vasquez he has given that permission to Streamyard. david we'll talk about drew before we get out of here we'll address what you're saying about drew i promise uh, but facebook user chad how many games do you give Locke this year if he doesn't take off before you would pull the plug so you would have to define how if he doesn't take off you know like if he's playing average ball and the, it's just not coming out in the wash and the wind column the team still just can't figure out how to win more than they lose. You know, if it's that level of kind of, mm, I think you, you know, if you're still losing games, that is, you probably go as far as fifth or sixth game before you really would consider making a change. Now, if he's stepping on his own, you know what, early on, and it's pick six, uh, it's, you know, three picks in this game and all that. I'm telling you right now, he, he would have no more than two of those type of games before they would pull him in a row. I mean, right. So, I think, though, Drew Locke, and Eric said it well earlier, you know, both whether it ends up being Drew that wins or if it's Teddy that wins, both cues are going to be on a very short leash. The Broncos don't owe anything to Teddy beyond 2021. So he's, you know, he's got to put up or shut up too. 
I do think though that the competition and that that push from Teddy, a plausible threat, a guy that's starting to command some headlines too in Denver. I think you know you're going to see it do one of two things with Drew. It's either going to cause him to kind of wilt in the face of it of adversity, or it's going to toughen him up, sharpen him, and he's going to rise and bust through ceilings as a result of it. The Broncos are hoping it's the latter. The Broncos are trying to utilize a little Bill Parcells type coaching psychology and using competition to manipulate the best possible uh, result for Drew Locke. We don't know how that's going to shake out. My gut read is by the time the dust settles, I think you're going to see the best version of Drew Locke that you've seen up to this point. But I've been wrong before. I mean, Eric, I was the guy that was all about Cody Latimer as the best wide receiver in the 2014 <laughs> draft class. Remember that? I remember. And uh, I was trying to figure out what you were on because that just that, – that, that was a take. But uh, with, with this, with how many games they get, I think that it obviously depends on how the team is playing, how the player individually is performing. But after week four, if the Broncos don't sit with at least a 2-2 two and two record – and the court and the quarterback can be not necessarily all to blame, but have you can play a lot of blame at the quarterback's feet, whoever it is. I can see them pulling the rug after that because the first four games of the season is probably the easiest stretch of four games the Broncos have all season long. I mean, their first three weeks are three teams that were picking top 15 this year. I mean, granted, two of them picked first and second overall, they got new quarterbacks by that point facing this defense, they shouldn't have things down they should be making mistakes that you should be able to capitalize daniel jones of the giants to start your season off i mean he's a guy who he's just prone to mistakes you got to capitalize off of that then you have that week four matchup against the baltimore ravens i believe and that's one that obviously i don't expect the broncos to go in there and really compete with them because of the quarterback position holding them back i think they'll be able to do some on defense to slow them down but this ravens team they just look pretty strong on in every phase all right, David, we're going to grab this one from David, and then we're going to grab one from Andrew, and then we got to go for tonight. David says, I mean, come on. With rookie receivers and new offense and losing Cortland Sutton, why blame Locke? Hey, man, for what it's worth, you're preaching to the priest. Like, you're the guy in the pulpit preaching to the priest right now. I, sh- I, That's my whole – I mean, that makes up three-quarters of my take on Drew's 2020 campaign. That does – I don't absolve Drew of his up-and-down – season all right he has to shoulder his own blame he has to shoulder his own fair share of that responsibility but what gets missed too often uh in the analysis here on drew's 2020 season is those unique outliers that he had to face that were specific to him and specific to the denver broncos look every quarterback had to deal with the pandemic every quarterback had to deal with not showing up to training camp um till or seeing their coaches till august that was a relatively even playing field. However, for the quarterbacks, whether veteran or young, that had to inherit a new system without the benefit of any offseason work, any engagement with the coaches, uh, no preseason games, and a significantly truncated training camp. I mean, that training camp last year was not a traditional training camp. It put those guys behind the eight ball. Now, people then come out of the woodwork, Eric, and they say, well, yeah, but Justin Herbert. It's like, yeah. Credit to that dude. He's a unicorn. He's a unicorn. He's a top six pick. He just happened to be a guy that was more um, keyed in to be able to roll with some of those punches. But what he didn't have in terms of obstacles that Drew had was Drew injured shoulder week two, right? Had to miss 
two games and almost a month of real time. He lost his number one wide receiver, his Pro Bowl wide receiver. All right. And then you can go through a, like a who's who litany list of all the different obstacles unique to Drew's situation, the way the NFL handled the Broncos, you know, taking their true, basically robbing them of a true bye week. Um, the way they dirt they they did Drew and the Broncos dirty in week 12 when they could have just as easily as they'd done with other teams in similar situations um, rescheduled for Tuesday when the quarterbacks could have plausibly come out of the Q word, all right, out of quarantine. So many different little things in that box that made Drew Locke's 2020 campaign, to me, an outlier. So my optimism, Eric, and this might be where you and I differ, my view of Drew is more – oriented toward the guy we saw coming out of 2019 than the guy we saw in 2020 simply because that year was just so off kilter and weird that I think we'd be remiss to draw too many overarching conclusions. Now that doesn't mean he doesn't have to sing for his supper. And that doesn't mean that 2020 didn't change the landscape because it did, you know, John Elway stepped down, um, you know, they're bringing in true competition. I mean, it's a different footing that he finds himself on. But too often in the analysis, these topics that David is pointing to here do get overlooked in the mad dash to, you know, um, crucify a quarterback and sacrifice him to the demands of, hey, we haven't made the playoffs in five years. Let's pillory Drew. Yeah. And I mean, on that note is there are definitely some unique stuff to what Drew Locke and the Broncos had to deal with that other quarterbacks didn't. And Justin Herbert, I yeah, I'm going to throw him out there. I mean, he's a guy, he came in and he performed very well in a game for a game plan that was oriented to a completely different style of quarterback after the Chargers medical staff decided to try to kill their starting quarterback. And he came out and he was able to perform. Joe Burrow, he was able to come out and perform. So the whole time, not being able to install your offense, not be able to get that chemistry down, like those to me are excuses with Drew Locke. It's not really a reason for it. But losing your number one receiver, dealing with the drops that he did, dealing with a coach who wasn't best utilizing his um, his weapons and everything, those are all reasonable things for me. But it all comes down to is when I watched Drew Locke last year, there were mistakes that he was making that he'd still been making since college. Yes, last year's offseason was just a complete muddied effect of just a trash show. But we still saw players grow. We still saw players develop. We look at Garrett Bowles and look at what he was able to do. He was practicing with his wife in the kitchen because he knew what he needed to be worked on. He was working on it. Drew Locke should have been doing the same thing. And maybe he was, and it just wasn't able to show up. But that's the thing. We didn't see it. So not all the blame is on Drew Locke. A good portion of it is. Good portion of it falls on the receivers. Good portion of it falls on the coaching staff. Falls on everybody. But we he isn't abstained of any blame because of all these other things, other issues that the Broncos had, because he still has to go and develop as a player, even on his own. One thing that great quarterbacks do is when the odds are stacked against them, they they push through it. They rise up. Locke didn't really do that. Maybe he can eventually. We just didn't see it last year. So all these things, all these reasons are good reasons and everything, but other teams are dealing with their own issues and they managed to overcome it. Some of these quarterbacks did. Some of the quarterbacks didn't. So it's, in a way, it's, for Drew Locke, two steps forward with these things, but also two steps back. So it just kind of comes out balanced and everything. And it's why that if he does get this year, I'm fine with it. I mean, I know that I've hated on him a lot and everything, but I'm fine if he gets a start because 
I do still want him to be successful. That is the best thing for the Broncos is him being a successful quarterback. You're not wasting that second round pick. I want that to happen. I just, I just wish I saw that I saw more development and growth from him as a player last year that we didn't see when we got to see it from other players who are entering their second year from rookies who are dealing with the same issues who didn't even have five games of games of experience. I mean, the shoulder injury, that's probably the most, that's probably the biggest reason there that point that I'll, I'll give anybody with it when talking about Drew Locke's struggles was he dealt with that shoulder injury, which was a major setback. Yeah. I mean, you're right. That's, and that's about the rise to the occasion, man. Hey, cry me a river. It's the league. Everyone's juggling these, these issues and Drew Locke, you know, you got to overcome that adversity and battle through it. The problem is he did do that at times. That's what's so maddening about the Drew Locke issue is you see the flashes but then the, you know, special specifically from week seven, you got to throw out that four quarter in week eight against the Chargers, as impressive as it was, it, you know, set that aside. Week eight, week uh, week nine, week ten, the, that four game stretch in particular was shockingly scary, just because of the the regressional, you know, regression signs he was exhibiting. But then he bounced back. And one thing also, Eric, that drives me nuts about the Drew Lock conversation is. Everyone acts like his season ended week nine in Atlanta or week uh, nine in Atlanta, week 10 in, in Vegas. Like that's all we ever saw from Drew. And that was it. People omit that, you know, did, was he blowing doors down? No, but from week 11 on, he significantly got better. But hey, we're about out of time. Let me grab Kane here. And then I want to grab Andrew. And then we're out of here. Kane Dawson, legendary super chat superstar here at MHH, legendary descendant of Billy the Kid. I mean, how cool is that? Appreciate you, bro. He says, just want to say that I will grace y'all with my presence in week three in Denver, hoping to be in Dallas two in week 11, hashtag state of being. That's very cool. That's very cool. We want to see as many of you as possible for the MHH meet and greet on uh, the 26th of September, week three. It's the home opener for the Denver Broncos. We're going to be out in the tailgate uh, right outside the stadium, having a good old time. Kane, can't wait to meet you. All right, last one, Eric, and then we, we'll get out of here from Andrew on Facebook. Appreciate you, Andrew, being with us. He says, good pod. Great to see Chad and Eric together. So question, what offensive player and defensive player makes the biggest splash in 2021 for for the Broncos, Eric? Um, Defensive player, I think, is Draymond Jones. I've been high on him since the Broncos drafted him. I thought he showed a lot as a rookie, and he grew on that last year, and I'm expecting even more out of him this year. I think finally being in a starting role, I thought he could push for one last year, and he 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 kind of did, but injuries kind of actually let him take it. So I, I expect big things out of here out of him on the defensive side of the ball. He's this one that I think that can make a big splash on the offensive side of the ball. This is where things get a little bit more difficult for me because of just how much everything rides on the quarterback position. Um, I'm going to can I go with the unit, the offensive line as a unit. I think that they'll I think that they'll will get solidified there. I think Graham Glasgow, I know a lot of people hate on him, but in my opinion, he was the second best offensive lineman for the Broncos last year. Dalton Reisner really struggled. I think that he'll bounce back, get past that sophomore slump. Whoever starts at center, whether it be Quinn Miners, Lloyd Cushenberry, I think they'll be able to solidify the interior. Right tackle is still my concern, and that's going to remain my concern. But I think the other four should lead to a much better offensive line than we saw for the majority of last season. And it was a unit that started putting things together about week 12 or so, right about when Drew Locke started showing those improvements. 
we also saw improvements from the offensive line as a unit, especially the, which helped the run game, which helped Drew Locke, which had this trickle-down effect. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I could echo a lot of what you said. Draymond, top guy for me to be your breakout guy on the defense. But just for the sake of parity here, I'll say, you know, uh, actually, you know what? I don't think there really is anyone that meets that criteria of like a true breakout guy for the defense because, you know, Kyle Fuller has proven he he's a, he can be a star in the league. Maybe Ronald Darby, maybe. He's, you know, he at one point was viewed as one of the best up-and-coming young corners in the game and then off a cliff. Maybe he re- resurrects that bloom on the rose under Fangio Donatel and CP, the new Parker, the new uh, DBs coach. We'll see. But I'll, I'll, I'll just stick with you on, on Draymond. But Noah Fant is my guy on the offense. Noah Fant, to me, is the guy that's going to, you know, hopefully as long as Pat Shermer doesn't piss backwards on us again, Noah Fant is going to have himself one hell of a 2021 season. But, gang, with that, we got to dip on out of here. Eric, thank you for the invite and the opportunity to come uh, talk some shop with you on Dove Valley Deep Divers. It's been a gas. Uh, look forward to doing it again down the road. Real quick, before we say our goodbyes, make sure you're connected with the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast on social media, starting with Twitter, at DVDD underscore pod. You can follow the main account of Mile High Huddle on Twitter, at Mile High Huddle. Eric himself, at Eric Trickle. Myself, at Chad N. Jensen, our producer, who does a great job across all the different Mile High Huddle podcasts. Buona Beast, as he's known on YouTube, on Twitter, at John K. MHH. Kindly consider becoming a supporter of MHH on Facebook. Easy to get there. Open up the app, search Mile High Huddle. Most of you are already following the page. It's dang near 100,000 of you are following that page. But click the big blue button if you want to take your support of what we're doing here to a whole other level and get access to the Trickle Zone tomorrow, Saturdays at Noon Mountain, and Kelberman's Corner, Sundays at Noon. And then also, gang, uh, before we go, just a gentle reminder to check out the merch store and get your swag on, all right? Get a T-shirt, get a hat, get a mug, get, you know, there's a little something for everybody. If you got one favorite show, maybe DVDD is your favorite podcast, support the podcast. Support the hosts and the podcasts that are providing you the content that you enjoy. That's one great way to do it. We appreciate those of you who have and who continue to, to patronize the merch store. Otherwise, gang, just make sure you're subscribed to the sh- to, to Mile High Huddle, and then you won't miss anything. Like the video, please, before you dip on out if you're on YouTube or Facebook. And then, hey, if we did a good job, share it out there. Eric, I look forward to seeing you tomorrow for uh, the Trickle Zone. Can't wait to, to get to that. Otherwise, have a great weekend, bro. This was a blast. Yeah, thanks for join- joining me on tonight and uh, stepping in for Lance and everything. It's always nice to have somebody that can host the show and makes it so I don't have to because uh, – it just never goes well. So it was great having you on. It was great chatting with you and great getting your takes on some of this stuff. Always fun. Always fun. Yeah. Uh, get, he says, uh, Facebook user, I wish I knew who you were. I'll go back and look and see who you are. I can't see it through StreamYard right now. But he says, I'm getting my shirt for Father's Day. Dope. Make sure once you get that shirt, you send us in the, the picture. We'll put it up on MHH Instagram, MHH Twitter, and uh, shout you out. But, guys, we'll see you then. Shout out to John for keeping everything on point as he is just – he's the man. Eric, have a great weekend. Broncos country, love you guys. Mile high salute to the Super Chat superstars and the star senders on Facebook and our supporters over there. Love you guys. We'll uh, see you tomorrow for the Trickle Zone at noon. And then, of course, Mile High Insiders at 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Talk to you then.